you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Let me just talk to culture here a moment. Culture. Um, this is kind of the introduction. You know, uh, people get nervous when pastors talk about culture. In fact, there are people in the church that will rise up against the pastor and say, no, you're supposed to give us the word, leave culture alone. In fact, the Bible says be separate from among them. Don't have anything to do with them. If, the, if you love the world and the things in the world, you don't love God. And so when you stand up and you minister, don't say anything about the culture. Uh, I don't know if you believe that, but there are people that expect that. That expect a man or woman of God to, when they stand up, to deliver the word of God only and don't speak to anything that's going on in the culture. I can't do that because I live in culture. I live in this culture. I I was born in this culture. It has impacted me. And for me to dig a hole and put my head in it and buried it over and, and act like that um, it's just me and God is, is to ignore what's going on around us. I hope that you trust me to make some sense of what's going on around us. Now, when I, when I say that this is my opinion, I'll say this is my opinion. When I say that this is the Word of God, this is the Word of God. Paul was very clear in that, too. There were some, some things that he said that he said, this is what I'm saying, and other things that he said is, this is what God says, okay? So for a moment, I'm going to talk a couple, of, uh, a, a couple of points about what's going on right here, right now in, in just culture. A couple of points. I mean, I, I, could, I could go for a couple of hours on some of this, but... You know, we started off this series, this is week seven of Twisted Truth, and we started off this series by talking about certain people in the past couple of months that have announced their departure from Christianity. They have kind of walked out of that door that they walked through and said, you know, I am choosing not to believe. It's not like I lost my belief somewhere, but I am choosing by an act of my will to not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so that, that underlying uh, message has been kind of through this whole past six weeks. This is week number seven, and I want to end it by saying that there's something that's happened in the past month or so, I think it's probably been longer, that has come to my attention. I wasn't looking for it, but it just kind of presented itself to me. And it's a conversion of somebody that we have known and and culture that is, is shaking the culture right now. It's Kanye West. And <laughs> I have never listened to any music that has come out of this man before. But for him to make something that says Jesus is king got my attention. And so I kind of looked at some of the video interviews that he's done in the recent past. Um, So there's a couple of points I want to make. Conversion, guys, you have to understand this. Conversion is a moment of decision. 
but it requires a lifetime of transition. It's a moment of decision, but requires a lifetime of transition. God sanctifies us as we follow him. Right? The holiness of God takes, takes time to develop in us, in our character. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And we change from the inside out. Okay? So this young man has said, I, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I heard him say it on the video. Now, I have to pause and say, if he continues to say this and act this way, then we know because the Bible says to look at the fruit. Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. So we're, we're to be fruit inspectors. Fruit inspectors, not judge and jury. And there's a difference. We can look at the fruit and inspect without confirming or condemning. Okay? We don't need to confirm or condemn anyone. That is for the judge, the only judge, God himself. We refrain from judging. But we are supposed to inspect fruit. But notice, uh, the thing about fruit is that it takes time to develop. It takes time to develop. So, um, Kanye said in an interview, he, said, he got to an, a part in the interview where he wanted to display some truth that he had learned from the Bible. And I know, I, I think I know that there's somebody that I'm... Uh, aware of that is mentoring him. Okay, I'm not going to say who that person is because I'm not. I don't know for sure, and I'm not going to say somebody said that this person is mentoring him. But it's important that every person that is converted to Christianity have a mentor to teach them and train them. But at one point in this interview that he has, uh, it's out there on YouTube. Uh, it's I think it's about an hour and a half video. I mean, in 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 how many days? Uh, just a few days, it's in one day, it came out on the, it dropped on the 25th, I think it was, and in one day had 950,000 views, almost a million views in one day. But in this interview, he, he's wanting to e expose some truth that he got from the Bible, and he's, he made this statement, he says, I'm not a theologian. And I'm like, that's smart. That is smart. Because the way that people are, man, they're expecting him to stand up and be a preacher. Like overnight. And for him to make these statements, hey guys, I'm, I'm, I'm about to unpack this truth a little bit, but I'm not a theologian. That's very smart. It is a, it's a sign of humility to say, I'm not a theologian. I'm not a theologian. I'm a growing Christian. Um... Our, our job is not to judge whether someone is converted or not. The Bible says, in fact, no one knows the heart of a man except for God. Our job as a fellow Christian is to love someone enough to pray for them. Did you ever go through that decision process of deciding to make Jesus the Lord of your life? I hope you did. 
By the end of today, you'll get a chance to. Um, on the other side of that decision, there were people that probably weren't very approving of that. Can you imagine what's going on in the culture right now? People saying, uh, wasn't real, won't last, blah, blah, on, 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 and on, and on, and on. What people need when they decide to walk with Jesus is our support. And so I'm asking you, in a day where truth is going forward in might and power, the word of God is moving forward, people are going to be swept into the kingdom in ways that you never thought. You never thought it was possible. And people are going to be shaking their head and scratching their head and just wondering what's going on. Only God can do what he's doing. And he doesn't need our criticism. Well, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have. Uh, there's one thing that I wanted to read because I found this on social media. Um, let me see if I can get to it here. If I have the wherewithal to pull it up. Um, this was put out there by a, a, uh, by a guy. He, he says, hey, Christians. This is on social media from, from the gram about Kanye, talking about Kanye. Hey, Christians. What if we are witnessing a modern-day Saul-to-Paul kind of transformation in front of our eyes from I'm a God to Jesus is King, from making millions to making disciples, from Jesus to Jesus? Did I say that right? Jesus to Jesus. What if God, what if God is reminding us of how radical his grace is? What if God is calling the church to a new day of revival and radical evangelism? What if, what if truly the radically rescued rescue radically? <laughs> Philippians 2 10 and 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is king to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is king. That's the name of this uh, Kanye, West's, uh, Kanye West's project, his project. We don't call them albums anymore. It's project. <laughs> right? <laughs> so we can speak to culture and this is just my opinion but I, I believe the word of God agrees right people don't need our judgment they need our compassion right and to be compassionate with people we've, we've seen for the, for the past six weeks we don't have to agree with everything they do I don't have to be uh, I don't have to agree with everything you do to be compassionate toward you. And God doesn't ignore culture. He speaks truth in the middle of it. It's evident that culture is confused. If you need the notes to this, you can always go to lifeway.church forward slash 10 27 19. They put it up on the screen. You can go there. You can look at the notes. You can follow along. You can take notes on that page if you want. Send yourself an email copy of your notes plus those notes. And you can go back and watch the video. Study it over and over again. I encourage you to do so because you don't get it the first time. Remember uh, the Bereans. They, they checked out Paul. Uh, 
to see if he was what he said he was and and what he said was true turn to second corinthians uh second timothy sorry second timothy chapter 2 it's evident that the culture's confused and it's a a a, confu- a confused culture a culture of confusion and it doesn't have the answers and and we can see because it's not producing peace with the advent of technology or with the growth of technology in these days, there has been more growth in, in the philosophies of man and the, and the isms. And, you know, just as God transcends this physical world, he also transcends this world of ideas and beliefs and philosophies. And he said... God said that his truth is above all. Now you're in 2 Timothy chapter 2, but I'm going to quote Psalm 138 2b. It says this, For you have magnified your word above all your name. And if God has magnified his word above all name, and his word is absolute truth, then his absolute truth, God's absolute truth is above everything. And he's not shaken up. He is not confused. He doesn't wish one day he was this and and wish one day that he was that. There is peace in the kingdom of God. Because he's built his kingdom on absolute truth. But on this world, on this earth and in this world, there's confusion. And there's man's ideas about God and man's ideas about themselves. And, And we can't... Find peace if we're only looking to philosophy and religion, man-made religion. We have to go to the source of absolute truth. And so look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. I'm going to be in the New International Version all the way down to verse 19. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God, and we are before God Today And I'm warning you, don't quarrel about words. Now, this doesn't say don't discuss words. It just says don't quarrel about words. If you can't come to an agreement with someone, agree to disagree and walk away. You don't have to win every discussion. When you think you have to win that discussion, you'll actually lose it in the end. Because you lose respect when you have to argue and you have to argue. Nowhere in the Bible does it say go into all the world and argue the Bible. It does say defend our faith. The Bible does say know how to give to to every person that asks you why you have that hope, why you have that hope. We need to know what we believe, why we believe it, and how to express it to others. But it doesn't say anything about arguing. So we can't quarrel about words because it says here in second timothy that it's no value quarreling about words and it only ruins those who listen do your best to present yourself to god as one approved a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth so we have to study to show ourselves approved we have to be a worker that knows our tool so well that we can use it to Handle it properly. It's a two-edged sword. The word of truth is a two-edged sword. So when you think it's cutting out in front of you, it, it will cut, it'll cut you too. 
You need to know how to use it. You wouldn't give a sharp two-edged sword to a five-year-old. You would do damage, right? And so we have to grow up, mature, and learn how to use the word of truth. This is instruction from the word of God. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Right? Be purposeful in your talk. Don't just use a discussion to hypothesize. Find out what the truth says and what you believe. Find like precious faith that iron can sharpen iron and encourage one another. God never gave us the word to tear down people. Can I say that again? God never gave us his word to tear down people. In fact, if you look all the way through the word, he doesn't tear down people. He gives people a chance to repent. Always. Always. He's a gracious God. With, he's merciful. And long-suffering, full of compassion. In our day, we just fly off the handle and, you know, words can kill and words do kill. We don't, we don't need to uh, get into godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. And their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenius and Philetus who have departed from the truth. Now, Hymenius and Philetus were false teachers. They departed from the truth. And so there is a departure. Some people are departing from the truth and they're teaching others to depart from the truth. Here's where they were departing from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroyed the faith of some. So there were people that believed them and were so gullible to believe that the resurrection had already happened, the resurrection of the dead, when Christ returns. And this Hymenius and Philetus had departed from the truth and were taking other people away from the truth. Can you see that? And so there's a lot of stuff going on today in the body of Christ. A lot of teaching. This is why you need to know what's right and what's wrong. And that was the whole purpose behind this whole series. And it's a slippery slope. Because the further you go from the absolute truth, the more willing you are to accept anything. During this whole series, uh, I've been limited to, to what I can say because of time. I wish I could do a year teaching on apologetics. It's needful in the day that we're living in. Because so many things have evolved and are evolving. And, you know, a chameleon changes colors depending on what they're uh, landing on at that time, that what they're sitting, sitting on at that time. And, and these isms and these philosophies of men have 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 evolved and taken shape over the past 10, 15, 20 years. And people are, are you know, when you poison a dog, I use that uh, illustration again, um, you don't just put poison in the dog bowl and expect the dog to eat it. You put food, mainly food, in with a little poison. And you poison that dog over time by using just a little bit in the food that they eat. Guys, this is what the, de what the enemy has been doing to the body of Christ. And so I've made a list of resources on this uh, link to the notes. There's a few 
websites on that um, note page that you can go to. So questioning is not bad. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Questioning. Questioning. 1 John 4, 1. But before we look at that, I want to say 1 Thessalonians 5.21 reminds us that we should test all things. And remember, we talked about the Bereans in Acts 17. They were commended for being noble because they fact-checked Paul. Is he really saying and teaching the truth? They were commended for being noble. Paul commended them. And as your pastor, I'm commending you that you go back and that you uh, repeat what is being said to you, not just from here, from Sunday mornings or anytime you're here being taught, but anything that you listen to. And J- Jesus said, take heed what you hear, because what drops in your heart will produce fruit, whether it's good, whether it's bad. Don't be gullible like a a little baby bird with his mouth open all the time, just eating everything that falls in. So healthy skepticism is also known as critical thinking. We don't like the word skepticism. Oh, you're just a skeptic. No, you just have to have blind faith, brother. No, no, no. Faith is not blind. Let me say it again. Faith is not blind. (laughs) God is not blind. Faith is not blind. Okay? 1 John 4, verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Can you see that? I want you to see that it's from the Word. It's up on the... But don't just believe because it's up on the... You need your Bible. You check it out in your Bible. Don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. How are you going to test the spirits to see whether they're from from God if you don't have God in you? God is the one that tests the spirit. You have to be in connection with the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of truth that leads us and guides us into all truth in order to test the spirits to see if they are from God. And it says this, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, this was written over 2,000 years ago. And if many false prophets went out into the world Over 2,000 years ago, don't you think that the proliferation of false prophets has increased? Yes, there are many more people living on the earth today than there were 2,000 years ago. So there are many more per capita false prophets on the earth today. Some of them know what they're doing. Some of them really are ignorant and don't know what they're doing. But nonetheless, it's false teaching. It takes people away from the truth. So... Healthy skepticism is good, and it's called critical thinking. We said a couple of weeks ago, don't lose your mind just because your spirit's born again. God doesn't expect us to throw our mind away. And we don't analyze everything with our brain. We have the mind of Christ, and he enlightens us. There's a difference between healthy skepticism and unhealthy skepticism. Unhealthy skepticism includes cynicism. Cynicism is an attitude of suspicion where you believe the future is bleak and that people are acting only out of self-interest. I don't believe that. 
I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And we, we can fall into that because that's the flesh. That's the flesh. You can be cynical. But you need to choose to be <laughs> uh, positive. God looks at you in your mess sometimes and says, I can use that. I can deal with that. I'm not giving up on Kanye West. I'm not giving up on you. I've got plans for you. God's not skeptical of you. But he expects us to, 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 to be sensitive and not gullible. Uh, in this day that we're living in, deconstruction has become a buzzword for many people questioning their faith, their Christian faith. This deconstruction, if you study it out, came around 1960 when they were deconstructing certain texts and, and picking them apart and judging and analyzing them. And so this unhealthy skepticism, this cynicism, has been working on the Scripture, the Bible, for years now to tear it apart, to break it down, to nullify it, and to say, no, it's, it's not true, it's not real. And so that's what we're dealing with. Two things that I want to cover today before we close with a couple of points. Uh, progressive Christianity. Progressive Christianity. It became, uh, began creeping into mainline Christian, Christian denominations early 20th, early 20th century. And our, I am going to call a couple of names here um, because they departed from the truth, just like our scripture said in Second Timothy. One is Rob Bell. This is in the notes, by the way. You can look their name up. You can find out what they believe today. Rob Bell was a pastor of a mega church and um, departed from the truth, departed from the faith, and is in full-blown progressive Christianity. John Pavlovitz departed from the truth. He was in a big mega church again. Another one, Tony Campalo. These people claim, I'm not saying that they're progressive Christians without their approval. They have said, we are progressive Christians. And I challenge you to find out what they believe. There's a challenge. Get this book that I've been reading, Mama Bear Apologetics. It's, it's a really good read. Now, you need to take it and chew on it and digest it. But there, people have departed from the truth and are leading others away from the truth. And if Paul wrote to Timothy about Hymenius and what was the other guy's name? Philetus. <laughs> then I'm not judging these people. Rob, John, and Tony, and Tony's son, Brad. We need to pray for people like that, that they come back to the truth. But people get mixed up in their mind. Listen, I'm just going to cut to the bottom line. If you don't continue in the word daily, in John, Jesus said... You're my disciple indeed if you continue in the word 
If you continue in the word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I'm going to wrap that up today with that scripture. But it's not an option to continue daily in the word. If we're going to follow Jesus, he is the word. And so when he takes a step, we have to take a step with him. That means we have to put ourselves in the word and we have to put the word in us. Or else we're in danger of straying from the truth. So, progressive Christianity is a mixture of postmodern, postmodernism, relativism, self-helpism, emotionalism, skepticism, and put everything together and shake it all up so you can appeal to as many people as you can under the banner of Christianity. It's like going to the pizza, and this, this, this illustration was used in that uh, book, Mama Bear Apologetics, like going to the pizza parlor, we used to call it the pizza parlor, it's a pizza hut or wherever you go, and you have the drink machine up there, and the kids like to exercise their independence by taking a glass and filling it up with ice and then going to everyone, orange, Fanta grape, uh, Dr. Pepper, root beer, Sprite, mellow yellow, Coca-Cola. Uh, I don't know why we ever called it a suicide. I mean, really? didn't taste like anything but it was we were exercising our independence but this is what progressive christianity is it's just all mixed up with all of these things now two of the people involved in progressive christianity david felton and jeff proctor murray said this these these are their own words traditional understandings of christology which means the study of jesus the atonement and the incarnation are all in flux meaning it just We can't tell about Christology, atonement, and the incarnation. In fact, many people find these concepts to be irrelevant to contemporary spirituality. Yet thinking theologically creates a disequilibrium that makes us continually rethink our beliefs in light of our changing understanding and ongoing experiences. Now, if you can understand those words and unpack those words... People are confused. (laughs) They don't know. In in, in a short phrase, they don't know what they believe. And it might change tomorrow. So there's five key beliefs of progressive Christianity. Number one, the key belief is that it rejects that Jesus is the only way to God. It rejects that. Rob Bell, the former pastor, says, God is is an energy And a force that connects all things. The second key belief is it rejects the blood sacrifice of Jesus on the cross as our atonement. In other words, we can't be made made right with God. I mean, if it's not for the atonement and the blood sacrifice of Jesus, we don't have a right standing with God. But they don't believe in the atonement and the blood sacrifice. Those are things that are just in flux all the time that you can't, you can't understand. Number three, a lowered view of Scripture. And they say this, many Christians are abandoning biblical authority and turning to their own thoughts, feelings, and instincts as the final sources of truth. Re... Read for yourself on, on the website, www.progressivechristianity.org. Here's what it says about Scripture. 
We affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience the sacredness and oneness of life and that we can draw from diverse sources of wisdom in our spiritual journey. And guys, I'm reading this kind of in unbelief or disbelief because, and I'm, not, I'm really not trying to make fun of people that, that believe this, but to tag the word Christianity onto all of this it, it, it appears to me as they want to appear to the world as though they're Christians without Christ. You can't hold to the teachings of Christ without listening to what Christ said. And he said, unless you eat this flesh, unless you drink of my blood, you can't have any part of me. But there's a whole lot of people that want the badge Christian and to be able to love your neighbor as Christ says, love your neighbor, but not fully give themselves to Christ and call Jesus Christ Lord. And that he was born of a virgin, that he came in the flesh, and that he died, and that he was buried and resurrected. The resurrection is a huge point with people that are teaching false doctrine. In First John, it says, ask the Spirit. Did Jesus raise from the dead? Test the spirit. Do they claim that Jesus rose from the dead? Because our whole gospel hinges on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. He, he predicted that, he prophesied that, and then he did it. So number four of their five key beliefs is redefining words. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago that, you know, when you take a word and you redefine it and you mean something, but it doesn't mean the same thing to the other person, you can't even have, you can't even have a discussion or an argument in that way. That's why when you're talking to people, and I'm going to get to this when I talk about atheism in just a minute, <laughs> but if you're, if you're having a discussion and you're using the same word and have two different meanings, you're not even... You, Nobody's right and nobody's wrong. So you have to agree on the terms that you're using, the words that you're using. But when they talk about hell, the progressive Christian, it's in a figurative sense. And it, they really mean that we are, li we are living out right now on the earth negative consequences of our bad choices. And that's hell. So there's really no literal hell. There's no eternal hell. There's no lake of fire. There's no, nothing, you know... Because, again, the thought is, if God is so good, why would he ever send somebody to hell? And I have to admit, guys, when we first started Lifeway Church, we had somebody that was a part of our church. That at the very end, when we sat down and we talked with this person, that person said to us, we don't believe that there's a literal hell. Or that person said, I don't believe that there's a literal hell. And we believe there's a literal hell. Okay, I don't want you to get confused here. But that person sat through years of ministry and still chose not to believe, contrary to what we teach, that there's not a literal hell. So the redefining of words, like inspired. Is the Bible divinely inspired? The progressive Christians say, well... 
like uh, C.S. Lewis and A.W. Tozer. Uh, yeah, God inspires books like that. So the Bible is an inspired book. So they redefine words. And then the last one that I wanted to kind of spend a moment on is uh, the focus on social justice. Social justice. We hear a lot about that in our culture today. Social justice. It sounds good. It gives you the fuzzies. And um, listen, if you really try to define social justice, you'll find conflicting definitions. Because for someone to say what's just, there has to be a standard. And what are you going to use as the standard? There's no way that society can save itself. So whatever society votes on, and I covered this a couple of weeks ago, you know, who are we to vote people off the island? Who are we to dismiss people out of the lifeboat? Just because we don't like the way they look or the way they do their hair or the color of their skin or what they call themselves. Who are we? God is the only just person in the universe. So this focus on social justice. But John Pavlovitz, the former pastor, he is quoted as saying, we believe that social justice is the heart of the gospel. Not Jesus, but social justice. So love and justice are biblical terms. And social justice is a cultural term. In fact, there's still a lot of debate on what it actually means because it's subjective. And in some definitions, it says that there's equal access to everything for everyone. That there is a common good. But let me ask you, if you think there's a common good, who decides what the common good is? <laughs> One of the things of social justice is no one's rights should be denied. But let me remind you what's going on this week. There's a mother who wants her seven-year-old boy to be a girl. And the dad, mom and dad are divorced, and the dad is fighting it in court. In case you haven't seen. These are just a couple of things that are going on today. But everybody should have a right. So whose right is it? The mom, the dad, to inject this boy with hormones to change him from a boy to a girl. Are we going to ask the kid? No. It's mom and dad. And it's crazy, guys. It's crazy. How about the man in Virginia that's running for political office who raped his wife and is a self-declared pedophile, and he says that incest should be legalized. If you haven't read that, you can read it. It's a news article out there right now. In fact, his wife, it, it, it hurt her so much that she committed suicide. Read about it. I mean, equal, asset, equal access, and nobody's rights should be denied. Listen, the bottom line is, uh, Jesus never affirmed sinful behaviors. He affirmed people who were always invited to repent, take up their cross, and follow him. And without a biblical definition of justice, social justice becomes an entirely subjective and culturally adapted 
term. And this is why so many progressive Christians are fighting for the acceptance of LGBTQ behavior. Modern feminism. It's a whole other thing. And abortion. All in the name of Jesus. And I read that last paragraph out of Mama Bear Apologetics. They are completely good with tagging on the word Christian, but only in name. There's no value in the blood of Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross, and the Bible is just another good book, just another good read. Two thumbs up, whatever. Progressive Christianity is just that, almost the real thing. The best and most convincing lies are packaged in truth. And there's enough truth in progressive Christianity to make it attractive and persuasive to the undiscerning believer. So, atheism. Former progressive Christian, now secular humanist, Bart Campolo. Bart Campolo is the son of Tony Campolo, and he is a self-proclaimed atheist who came by way of progressive Christianity. So, here is traditional Christianity, here is progressive Christianity, and here is atheism and Bart Campolo. He began abandoning historic Christian doctrines when he couldn't reconcile them with the poverty and suffering that he encountered in urban ministry. After his faith began unraveling, he said that his belief in God died the death, quote, died the death of a thousand unanswered prayers. And so... When people see and they genuinely pray for God to do something and it doesn't happen the way that they prayed, there's doubt and skepticism. There's disappointment, discouragement. And so you can either choose to pull closer to God or run further away from God. And this is what Bart Campolo did because he was obviously working in urban ministry and saw the poverty and suffering. And if God is so good, then why would he let so many people suffer and be impoverished? And because we can't reconcile that, then there must be no God. Campolo believes that the transition from historic Christian to progressive Christian naturally leads to full-blown atheism. This makes perfect sense considering the fact that most progressive objections to Christian doctrines mirror the objections voiced by atheists and agnostics. Campolo notes that letting go of historic teachings on hell, God's sovereignty, biblical authority, and inspiration of the scriptures, and sexually, those doctrines about sexuality in the Bible, if you let go of those, it's addictive. And once you start to let go of one of them, you can't stop. Guys, listen, we can't let hardships and suffering in our life and what we consider unanswered prayers dictate our view of God. What we believe about God is rooted in God's word and not our feelings, our perceptions, or our experiences. Christianity is not progressive. It is eternal. And so there's two distinctions now of atheists. The old atheists, and by the way, they are categorizing themselves. The old atheists exist before 
2001. And the new atheists exist now since 9-11, 2001. Now, I don't know all the details of that. You can go and study it and let me know after you find out. But the old atheist, the argument was there is no God. And we as Christians would say, there is a God. There is no God. There is a God. There is no God. There is a God. Now, the new atheists say, I don't have any God belief. And the Christian says, there is a God. And you don't win a debate like that. Because they're saying now, the new atheist, I have no God belief. And what do you say to that? (laughs) So, now we need to define belief. What do you believe? What is a belief? Here's Psalm 14, 1 and 2. Here's what the truth of God's word says about this. And it's familiar. And we've used it in a wrong way to bash people over the head. But this is for our information, guys. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. But I don't want us to just stop there. It says they are corrupt and their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind, even the fool, that is saying at the moment there is no God. The Lord is looking down on heaven to see if there's any who understand and any who seek God. So I'm believing that there are atheists right now that are changing. Lee Strobel, agnostic, atheist, Lee Strobel. Other ones, uh, Josh McDowell. There are other ones now that are huge, strong apologists for the Christian faith that have come from an agnostic and atheist belief. So we know this about this scripture. This is really good. I got excited when I studied this. Psalm 14, 1 through 2. We know this. Seeking God leads to understanding. And we we put this scripture with another scripture in, in the New Testament that says that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. But a lot of prosperity people have used that in a, in a wrong way. Oh, he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Oh, I need some cash right now. Money cometh. Give me some cash. No. This means seeking God diligently. He will reward you with understanding of who he is. Who he is. Understanding of who he is, what he has, and what he can do. Not what he can do for you. Because you need more than what he can do for you. You need the knowledge of who he is. And don't just stop with his hand. Look him face to face. There are people that get excited because they see that God is a rewarder. But but they they stop at his hand and, and not continue to press into his face, into his being, and drawing near to him. They just want a handout. But we've got to seek God and his face. 
So the atheist has said and has always said, and listen, it's not a new concept to ignore God. If we don't acknowledge him, then he doesn't exist. But just because you pretend that something's not there doesn't make it go away. Right? So here's the bottom line. People believe something, just like Dan says. What do you believe? What do you believe? I hope the, the past seven weeks, has, has really, you've been really wrestling with this. Because it, it's a big deal in the world today. And we need to know what we believe. We need to dig a little bit deeper into the, the doctrines that we hold dear and that we value. And we're able to articulate those things. The atonement, the blood sacrifice, who Jesus is, why we believe the word is infallible, incorruptible, that it is the highest authority in heaven and earth. And we believe something. The atheist believes (laughs) that... His denying, de- denying the existence of a deity or divine beings is that that's what he believes. That I deny the existence of God or divine beings. He, the belief of the agnostic is uh, um, any ultimate reality such as God is unknown and probably unknowable. That's an agnostic. This is definitions right out of the Bible. But who they... Who they are, who they identify with is what they believe. Well, I don't believe anything. No, that's not true. You just believe that you didn't have a belief. Because God made us into believing creatures. There's a thing called trust and it is deeply rooted in the heart of man. And God gave us this trust that coincides with our will and, and he made us like him so that we would, be, we, would be, we, would be, we would be drawn to him because of his love. Love always draws us. That's why we love God because he first loved us. And I believe that God made every creature, every human, to recognize that love from him and to be drawn to it. Where we get mixed up is right here. So, in conclusion, well, let me, let me say one more point. I believe with all my heart that people are truth seekers. People are seeking the truth. They just get sidetracked. And they settle for a half-truth which is a whole lie. You've got to keep seeking. People really want to believe and they want to believe in what is real and true because only things that are real and true last. Nobody really really wants to stake their life on a lie. So here's what we need to do. We need to follow Jesus. We need to become his disciple. If you're not a disciple of Christ, you can become one today. Right here, right now. There's two scriptures. John 16, 13 says this. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of himself or speak on his own authority. 
but he will speak what he hears, and he will tell you things to come. So the Trinity, three distinct persons, one God, three distinct persons, the Holy Spirit hears from the Father, and he speaks what he hears. And he reveals it to us because he is the spirit of truth. We have to continue in the truth, like I said before, so that we will know the truth. And as long as we continue in the truth and know the truth, be disciples of Jesus, that truth that we know and operate in and walk in sets us free from deception and lies. That is our responsibility. Continuing in the truth sets us free. John 8, 31. This is from the Amplified Bible. John 8, 31. So Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them, then are you truly my disciples. So for us to follow Jesus and lead people to Jesus is the way. So what does this all mean? (laughs) No matter what other people believe, you hold fast to the truth. Hold fast to the truth. Let's bow our heads. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I hold fast to your truth. I choose to walk in the light. Show me, Lord, if there's any deception in me. If I'm being deceived in any area. Search me, Lord, and show me any area that I need to change. Create in me a hunger for your truth. A passion for your word. And a grace and compassion for others. Can I just say that that's that's where we've missed it in the past. Because knowledge puffs up. But love edifies. So we're not... Our assignment is not to get puffed up on knowledge and trying to prove things at the expense of hurting people. Lord, forgive us where we've taken your word and hurt people with it. Forgive us, Lord, for trying to make a point and making an enemy at the same time. Lord, let us be sensitive as Jesus was. When he was 12 years old, that he went into a religion, began to ask them questions that even opened their heart and their mind to who he was. Because he knew you and he knew where he was going. Help us, Father to be humble but a workman rightly dividing your truth a humble workman Jesus name 
if you're here today and you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, the majority of us have, have done that. And so it's, it's just taking a step. It's moving forward. It's declaring from your heart through your mouth that you're deciding to follow Jesus today. Let's just all do that together. Let's just go ahead and stand right there where you are. When we make this confession, it's not that we're getting born again, again. (laughs) It's not that it didn't take the first time. This is a profession of our faith, a confession of our faith, that we truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for us, that he shed his blood for us, that he rose from the dead for us. And we're giving people a chance to join us. Listen, I say this a lot, and it's not important for me to know who you are as it is for God to know who you are. Now, I ask you to let us know that you prayed this prayer and made this decision. But the most important step of your life is seen before God. And then Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in in heaven. But for years in churches, it's like everybody come to the front who wants to get saved. And then we we celebrate and kind of, I know we're excited, but we pat ourselves on the back. And it's like, look what we did. No, God did. God has been working on that person. God has been working on Kanye West for years. I'm telling you, seeds of the truth have been planted in hearts all over this earth. And a revival of God can start like this. People getting swept in. Listen. Kanye is not going to sweep anybody into the kingdom. The Holy Spirit, the power of God is looking to use people that are willing to be used and to declare that Jesus is king. Let's all make this confession. Close our eyes. Say this, Heavenly Father. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.